0: Somebody even asked me one day, you going to get in folks' business? Yeah, we're going to get in folks' business. God gets in your business, and he's telling you how to live. And he said, you got to be different. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's why we're not winning people to the Lord. We can win people to the church. We can win people to singing and to worship, but not to the Lord, because our lives doesn't reflect that. And Peter said, no, things are going to get tough. And when things get tough, you're going to have to know who you are. This is Jerry G. Martin. It's one thing to come to the Lord. It's another thing to take the Lord to the culture around us. It seems like the darkness is closing in on all of us. What a great time for the light of the Lord to shine bright in the life of every believer so we can make a difference in our world. Join us today as we encourage you, the believer, to take the light of the Lord to a dark world. Come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's Word. We've been in the book of 1 Peter talking about what the Apostle Peter shared with the early church. And this was a church that had come out of the culture and out of the world, out of the Roman Empire culture. A church that had a lot of different social statuses in it. People from the world that were servants and slaves and slave masters. They were political people. They were Gentiles and unbelievers, pagan worshipers. There were some Jewish people that were there. But he had a mixed congregation that consisted of people from every walk of life coming from everywhere. He gives the believers four perspectives in chapter four to motivate them to be strong when their righteousness brought their sufferings and their trials. They lived in a culture that once you start doing things God's way, you were an outcast and people start hating on you when you start living different from the way they were living. Peter addressed them to encourage them. Now they not only were talked about but they were suffering physically economically and in every way because of their righteous living. They were being persecuted. Now in our country we have not experienced a level of Christian persecution yet. It is on the way. It's on the way. You're going to have to look at me funny. It's on the way. Just like I said that 15 years ago, I said there are going to be men who want to marry men and women who want to marry women. And everybody was looking at me like, really, Pastor? Come on. But it's coming. Christians are being persecuted in other countries. ISIS was chopping off their heads because they were Christians at a Christian event this past year, um, the terrorists went to the Christmas celebration of Christians and blew up a bunch of Christians because they didn't like them. We are not experiencing that kind of persecution. We, we experienced a persecution where you don't get invited to the party because you go to church and we say, you know, I don't know why they're hating on me. You didn't get invited. Why you didn't invite me? Because we can't party like we want to party when you're over your always talking about church and Jesus. Or maybe we're not having as much of that as we ought to have because the Christians aren't talking about Jesus. We are at the party. So we don't have as many haters as we think, but start living right and walking right and having that light shine, then somebody's going to complain about that light shining in their face. But if your light is covered up under a bushel, then you can go where they go and nobody will know. Believers strengthen their resolve when they are armed with an understanding of three things, the attitude of Christ, the will of God, and a transformation from the past life. I want to look at our attitude and the attitude of Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Peter says this, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Peter had already spoken in chapter 3, verses 18 through 22, of the suffering of the Lord Jesus and his example of his patience and submissiveness While he was being mistreated, and and we talk about this at Easter, he was beaten and sped on. And we had a song that said, he never said a mumbling word. But Jesus took the suffering. He took the ridicule. He took the beating. And he offered himself up, not for himself, but for us. Peter is saying, did you see how Jesus gave himself up for you? Then I want you to have the same attitude because you're going to have to give yourself up to accomplish some of the things that I want you to accomplish in this world. Okay, boy, I got quiet on that one. He said, you're going to have to give yourself up. Well, Jesus put it this way. If anyone come after me, he's going to have to first deny himself. What does that mean? That means you can't have it your way in order for him to use you in this world. You're going to have to be different than what you used to be. You're going to have to be a different person. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 12, I beseech ye therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He was using that picture of the sacrificial offerings that they would burn up. He says, you need to burn yourself up and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And that's easier said than done. I'm not assuming that that we can all just do that and we're happy to do that. No, we're not happy to put ourselves on that altar. See, the problem with the living sacrifice is that we come and we say, yes, Lord, I offer myself. I give myself away so you can use me. But the fire hadn't been lit on the altar yet. We give ourselves away till he start lighting the fire on the sacrifice. And the, live, the problem with the living sacrifice that was different than the dead sacrifice. See, the dead sacrifice just sit there that burnt off and got burned up. The living sacrifice, soon as the heat get up, we get up off the altar. Excuse me for just a minute. I wasn't in for all that. Somebody's going to say, yeah, you know, they don't take all of that. You ain't got to do all of that. But he says then, arm yourself with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. You're not going to be done with sin until you make a decision that you're going to offer yourself fully and totally to God. Jesus suffered while doing the work of the ministry. And if we allow God to use our lives to speak the truth of God's word, Into the life of unbelievers, we're going to find ourselves sometimes the object of ridicule and persecution. Now, as long as we're going along with the flow, as long as we're just quiet, or maybe we're not commenting, uh, you know, I don't believe that, man, that's not the way I believe. I believe in God, I believe in holiness, I believe in righteousness, but it's not my job to say anything to anybody, you know, that's. So what do you think? Well, whatever you want to do, I mean, that's you. That's where we are as a church in this culture. The people of God are not declaring the word of God. So therefore, we're not being persecuted. In fact, many of us are secret agents of the Lord. We're secret. Don't anybody even know we're saved. Maybe we should get some buttons and some stickers to put on to say, I'm saved. So at least they would know that. We are told then we need to arm ourselves, and to do so, before we go out into the world, we need to arm ourselves with this attitude of Christ. Let this same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Peter is talking to a group of people, and he's saying to them, "Uh, "You are going to be different because you've come to the Lord. You are different." You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You are different. Do you believe that? Are you different at all? Are you? Come on, you got to think about it. You got to say, I'm different. Come on, say, I'm different. He said, you are different. You're not the same. Paul said this way if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So you're different. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I'm different. I'm not the same as I used to be. And he said, You need to arm yourself. That word is used of being heavily armed against others, against the others, against the opposition. So the Christian need the heaviest armor he can get to withstand the attacks of the enemy of his soul. The enemy is coming against you when you decide you're different, when you decide you're going to walk upright, when you decide you're going to live for the Lord, the enemy is not going to lay down when you have made a declaration, I belong to God, I'm strong and mighty, I'm the head not the tail, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The enemy said, really? let me see. To have the same attitude toward unjust suffering that the Lord Jesus had will cause us to react different from those who don't know Christ. When you're going through your tests, your trials, your sufferings, we ought to have a different response. We talked about that in chapter 2 and chapter 3. He talked about how to act on your job. He talked about how to act in your family. He talked about how you ought to behave in this world. He said, we ought to be different as believers. Do y'all believe that? We ought to be different as believers. We ought to be so different that you ought to be able to spot another believer on your job. You ought to say, you must be a believer because of the way you act. You don't act like the other folk. Somebody ought to come up to you and say, why are you so different? If they're not doing that, guess what? We're not so different. You ought to be strange, not weird. (laughs) Strange, but they ought to say you're different. There's something different about you. There's something different. I've been noticing you're not angry when everybody else is angry. You're not upset when everybody else is upset. You don't complain when everybody else is complaining. You seem to have kind of a different attitude about things. Tell me about that god broke the power of sin in the believer's life when he saved us do you know that when you got saved he broke that power of sin. That's what salvation does. It breaks the control of sin in your life and he gives you another spirit so that you can function differently. You have something different than the unbeliever has. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you and you have the capacity and the power to overcome sin's activity and influence in your life if you want to. So, the first thing we're told in this passage is to have the attitude of Christ. And secondly, we are to live for the will of God. Verse 2 says, as a result of sin's power being broken in your life, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. He says, he does not live the rest of his earthly life. Who is the he? The he is the one who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He said, you are not to be living the rest of your earthly life for your evil human desires, but you are to be living for the will of God. Father, let your will be done in my life. I need to have the attitude of Christ. Then secondly, I need to be yielded to the will of God in my life. He tells the readers why God breaks the power of Of the sinful nature at the moment Christ is saved, it is is in order that we should no longer live the rest of our life in the sphere of the cravings and the lust of men, but live in the sphere of the will of God. Almost all believers at some point in time have wondered, well, what is God's will for me? What is God's will? I, I just wish I knew the will of God for my life. If I just knew the will of God, I would do the will of God. I'm going to tell you what God's will is so you can just uh, get started on it. If I tell you what it is, would you start on it? The first thing God will for us to do is to obey his command. Is to obey the word of God. That's the first thing in his will. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my Commands. If you love me, keep my commands. So don't worry about uh, God telling you something supernatural that you need to do when you don't do the basic things. Lord, you just show me what your will is. Oh God, I'm ready to walk in a new anointing. God, I'm ready to walk in another level. God, I'm ready for a double portion. And he says, would you obey my commands? God wants us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's his will. We are told, do not conform to the things of this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's God's will. Don't conform and function and order your life by this world system that we grew up in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you can know and establish what the perfect will of God is in your life. It's not that difficult to know what God's will is. Just do those things and you're on the way. You're on the right road to fulfilling God's will for your life. Now, Peter is saying to us, do not live the rest of our earthly lives for the evil human desires. Once you are saved, Now, this message, I'm just going to tell you, is only for saved, folks. If you're not saved, this is not for you. Once you are saved, he's saying you need to live a different life and go down a different path. So, we ought to have the attitude of Christ. We ought to be looking for the will of God. And thirdly, we are to experience a transformation from the past. Look at verse 3, talking to the believers. He said this to you now, uh, if you know somebody that this uh, would apply to, just share that with them after church. He says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Now, you say, now, you didn't spend enough time doing that before you got saved. Now, once you're saved, you don't need to be doing that anymore. You have spent enough time in your life. See, the Christian's view of this of his life previous to salvation is a closed matter. That should be closed. That chapter of your life should be closed. You died with Christ and you've been raised again in a new life. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. The old habits... The old associates, the old practices, places, amusements, everything in the old life which is not according to the Word of God should be eliminated in the new life He's given you as a Christian. I know that's tough. We don't want to get rid of the old things. It reminds me of uh, of this picture of, of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Uh, that's kind of a type of how things go. They came out of Egypt, that's kind of a picture of us coming out of darkness into the marvelous light. Now, they came out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. Every time they look around, they were looking back, trying to say, you know, back there, we used to do it this way. That's how they came up with the golden calf out there in the wilderness. They were saying, Moses is gone, the pastor's gone. Ain't where the pastor at? Uh, he's gone. How long he been gone? But well, he's been gone a while. When he coming back? We don't know. Okay, well, let's party. That's what they said. It reminds me sometimes, Pastor Jackie and I get invited to some of the members' events on Saturday evening. I already know that. I'd better hurry up and leave because once the pastor leaves, they can really start having a good time. (laughs) Well, the pastor gone now. We are different people who are living in a different world. He says the old habits, the old associates, there are some people now, listen, you don't have to get rid of your old friends when you come to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you this, if you start living righteous and holy, you don't have to get rid of them. They'll get rid of you. <laughs> Am I going to have to give up my old friends? No. Just start going down the pathway of righteousness and holiness. They'll stop hanging with you. You ain't got to say nothing. You don't have to tell them, well, I got to go, I can't hang with you no more because I'm following the Lord. No, you still love on them. You're my friend. Come on, go to church with me. Well, I don't feel like going. They're going to say, hey, come on out to the party. Bring the dominoes with you and the cards and some whiskey. You know what you used to bring. Bring that wild turkey with you. And you say, you know what? I don't drink anymore. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Actually, I'm going to be heading to a Bible study, so I'm not going to be able to make the event. Bible study? Yeah, I'm going to a Bible study tonight. In fact, I'll be praying for you guys. I'm asking God to move in your lives as well. Next time when they have that, they ain't going to invite you. But something in you still want to go. Well, the Bible didn't say, I can't take no wild turkey. I go, I can just, I ain't going to drink none, but I can take some. Maybe I get a chance to reach them, share with them. After a while, your testimony is invalid. The old habits, old associates practice places and amusements, the things that used to just keep you amused. Everything in the old life which is not according to the word of God should be eliminated. When I got saved somebody, one of my friends said, you mean you tell me you can't go party no more? You can't come to the club no more? I said, yes I can but here's my issue. I don't have a desire to. I can go but I don't desire to go because I have somewhere else that I desire more than that you can't listen to this music no more well I can but by the time I get through with praise and worship and gospel and some ministry teaching to me I don't have time I can't get down to that no more you can't drink no more yes I can but I have no desire to it doesn't interest me anymore what about you since you've been saved and now at the church, now we got pastors scared to even talk about living holy because the folks will leave. Scared of talking about being different. Well, see, he a hater, you know. I'm going to go somewhere where all I got to do is just sit up there for a 20-minute sermon. And he's just going to tell me I, I can have a, a good life and uh, have a supernatural anointing and all that. And he ain't going to be messing with how I live. He got no business telling me how I live. Somebody even asked me one day, you going to get in folks' business? Yeah, we're going to get in folks' business. God gets in your business, and he's telling you how to live. And he said, you got to be different. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's why we're not winning people to the Lord. We can win people to the church. We can win people to uh, singing and to worship, but not to the Lord, because our lives doesn't reflect that. And Peter said, no, no, no. Things are going to get tough, and when things get tough, you're going to have to know who you are. It was Jesus Christ himself who said, You are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he encouraged the believer to take the cover off of the light so that other people can see how God is working in your life, and they will want to go to God and give him glory as well. This is Jerry G. Martin, and I'm encouraging you who are believers who have experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ to allow the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to shine bright right there where you are. And we need every light to shine as bright as it can right now to dispel the darkness that comes in the way of violence and anger and bitterness and divisiveness in our country and in our community. If you would like to hear today's message again, you can do so by going to our podcast, at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. And I invite you to come and be our guest at The Light of the World Christian Fellowship. We're at 16161 Old Humble Road right here in North Houston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. Pastor Jackie is in a great series on going back to the basics. For more information, go to our website at lowcf.org. If you're still looking for a Bible bookstore, come to the Beacon Bookstores on our campus right here at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're looking for Bibles, books, church supplies, or communion supplies, we have them here at The Beacon. Call us at 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.